Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever wondered about the psychology of exercise? For those who don't know me, who am I kidding? You all know me by now. I mean, you've listened to a few episodes. You've probably seen my TikTok. So you know that I'm Steph. I'm a psychologist and I'm here to break down all the mental health issues that leave you questioning and give you support and resources. And today I actually am being interviewed by Ella Laura from the Keto-ish Queen. Now she is located on the other side of the world and I love being interviewed by people from a different country or a different state. I just think it is so cool. So this interview actually took place ages ago. We honestly recorded it in lockdown. So there may be content relevant to lockdown or back in that day. We've all moved past that now, but I think there are definitely some great lessons to take away from this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy hearing the interview between me and Ella Laura, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Bye. Hello, everybody. So grateful for everybody to be here. And I am Alora. If you don't know me already, I also call myself the Keto Queen. I'm a registered nurse and I'm here to kind of welcome an amazing person I came across on Instagram, Stephanie. And she's tuning in from across the world. She's an eating psychologist and a published author of a book called The Food Jail. So when I found her, I was like, she's a wealth of knowledge. She's super transparent about what she's gone through and how she's overcome her struggles with food mindset. And I've been there too. And I've overcome a lot and I'm a work in progress and working on it daily as well. But me personally, I struggled with emotional eating since I was a teen, very young teen. I had like eating disorders too, like bulimia, anorexia. And it was something really, really hard for me to overcome. And just being in this community of trying to better our health and keto, I know lots of people are like, oh, that's so restrictive. But if you have the right mindset and you're doing it for your health, your health is your wealth, right? In this journey, I've met so many people that struggle intensely with eating and their relationship with food, emotional eating. And I just knew it would be super valuable to have Stephanie here to share her story and give you guys some tips. And I have a bunch of questions written down from 
some people in my community that I'm really excited for you to answer today. So Stephanie, if you could start by telling us a little bit more about you and what motivated you to write your book, The Food Jail. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction, Alora, and welcome everyone. Hi, hope you're all doing well. I absolutely love Zoom and connecting with, with people online and that's my whole um, online platform, Mind Food Psychology, is working with people um, you know, with food and on body image concerns, because we all have something there. Every, absolutely everyone, I believe, you know, I don't, eating disorder is one end of the spectrum, but I definitely believe that there is, you know, eating disturbance. And on some level of the spectrum, we've all been there um, and experienced that. So thank you. Basically, I'll say a little bit about myself. So I've been a psychologist for about six years now. So I'm also a board-approved supervisor. So I actually supervise psychology students on their journey to become psychologists. And I work with a range of people with anxiety, PTSD, um, OCD. There's not much I don't actually do, but I'm super passionate about eating disorders because of my own journey. So, you know, growing up, um, around social media, around, I guess, just the, the images you see on TV and being in a, in a household, I think as well, where my mum was always dieting. I'm Greek. So as you know, there's always food around and, um, sort of just growing up in the, the low fat era. So everything in my house was low fat. I just thought that was normal. I just thought, oh, okay, I should be dieting. I should look different. And I, um, got into a little bit of modeling when I was younger and I had a photo shoot and the photographer actually stopped mid shoot and said, did you eat before you came? Because you look really bloated. And I was mortified. And from that moment, he's like, you know, you shouldn't eat before a shoot. And I started cutting out foods. I went on this obsession to lose weight and, you know, just cut out sugar, cut out bread, cut out. And up until then I loved food and I, and I, and I do now. Um, and then, it just got really bad. And obviously restriction leads to binge. And this is what I teach. And I then engaged in really severe binge eating. And this led me down a nine-year spiral of um, bulimia. It was on and off. So I never thought it was that bad because I was still functioning. I was still running a business. I was studying to become a psychologist. And I secretly had this eating disorder no one knew about. And I would be in this conflict, like how are you going to help people when you can't even sort your own shit out? What are you doing? So it wasn't until I got help and learned the strategies and the tools, but more importantly, like while psychologists helped me, it was really my own self that needed to do the work. And that's what my book, Food Gel, Breaking the Bars of Binge Eating, which you can also get on Audible for free, um, is all about. It's about recognizing, you know, what your signs are and actually giving you strategies to manage it. So that's me in a big nutshell. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable about your experiences. A lot of people are so quiet about what they're going through and they're just suffering silently and they think they're alone. But a lot of people go through issues with food and it's such a struggle because food we look at as medicine comfort it's a hug but it's also forbidden and then we get this weird way about ourselves like we're we're a number we are what we see on the scale and like I don't like restricting self I know I'm keto but I'm not all of the time I'm all about flexibility and making sure I'm eating everything I love and feeling so satisfied and happy with what I've eaten sometimes I think when we truly like 
like love ourselves and focus on why are we eating what we're eating? Are we eating what we're eating because we're obsessed about what it's going to do to us, what we're going to look like because of what we ate? Are we identifying ourselves as a number on a scale or are we eating what we're eating because we want to be healthy? When I look at Stephanie's Instagram, she's so creative. She's such a foodie. She eats amazing stuff. And I feel like you're probably never craving anything because you eat really awesome things. So if you could tell us a little bit about what you think are the different reasons we have cravings. And I know you did a little IGTV on that. And I absolutely love that. If you could go into cravings a bit and how to just love what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's got any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat box. If there's anything you want to add, I would love to know, like, what do people actually have cravings for. I love sweets, but what I used to do, I used to demonize my cravings. I used to criminalize my cravings. I thought cravings were bad. And a lot of the women I work with now, um, they do the same thing. Like, oh, I shouldn't be hungry. I shouldn't be craving sweets. And they're all, you know, ashamed of it almost. And I think, you know, the first step when it comes to cravings is is acknowledge and accept them and know that they're okay. You know, just because you you crave chocolate doesn't mean, you know, you're a bad person or, you know, you can't stick to healthy eating. And cravings can be different types. They can play a different role. So if you're sick, usually at the time you get what are called supportive cravings and you might crave like soup, something warm or vitamins. So your body knows it needs something nutritious. So we can have supportive cravings. When we say to ourselves, you know, I'm so weak or I can't pass them by. Again, we're sort of putting this idea in our head that we should be able to say no, because saying yes is bad. And that's that's another thing when it comes to food and cravings that I work with people with is their food language. A lot of people think it's the behavior they need to change. Like it's, you know, the the food choices I need to that I make need to change for me to feel better. But I work from an inside-out approach. And it's first of all, you know, the food language we have and the appraisal or the meaning we give to certain things. So giving our cravings a meaning, like if I see a food I can't pass up, like what meaning am I giving to that? Is it, you know, I should be able to say no, I'm weak because I can't say no, I'll never succeed at getting the body I want or do you eat it and then think, well, I've stuffed up and might as well eat everything. That was that was me. I was flat tyre syndrome, you know. You're, you're driving along and, yep, one of your tires burst on the freeway or you eat a piece of chocolate and then you think, oh, well, one of my tires is burst. I might as well get out and slash all the rest of the tires. I eat, eat all the chocolate, eat all the donuts, eat absolutely everything. If you are managing cravings, I want you to know that they are normal, they are healthy, and they are fine, especially because food is meaningful and we grow up with associations with food. So so think about it. As a child, you hurt yourself or you fall over. What's the first thing your parents would do? You know, oh, don't worry about it. Just have some chocolate. Just have some sweets. You then straight away make the connection between, oh, when I'm sad, sweets make me feel better. Does it, did anyone else go through this with their parents? And you learn to, you don't even need to fall over anymore, but when you feel an emotional pain, you learn classical conditioning over your years. So what that is, is 
pairing two unrelated stimuluses together. So falling over, feeling upset, getting chocolate, we don't even need the falling over anymore. The feeling upset and the chocolate become paired. So when you go through life and you get upset or you're emotional, you go through a breakup, you know, you will crave those foods even on a subconscious level because a lot of our beliefs with food are formed in your subconscious so you're not even aware of it. So what's important is not to be too hard on yourself. Like if you find yourself having cravings or wanting something sweet, observe it rather than judge it and criticize it. So start to notice it and say, okay, I'm having some cravings for some chocolate cup covered marshmallows or some chocolate and say, that's okay. I'm acknowledging that. I'm noticing it. Because sometimes what we do is we panic and we think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have some chocolate. I'm going to stuff it up. What am I going to do? And then people then eat really fast or they eat quite panicked or they stress out about what they're eating. And it's not enjoyable. Essentially, acknowledge your cravings. Number two is honor your food decisions. Binge eating happens when we're going against what we think we should be doing, right? So you've got your ideal, you've got your current self, like who you are now. And then everyone's got this ideal self, you know, the self they, they want to be, like the person who, who exercises, goes to the gym, says no to chocolate, this idealized self. And what happens is when our behaviors are in conflict, so when our behaviors are in conflict with our thoughts, like, oh, I need to be eating clean, you know, I shouldn't be eating that or I've eaten too much, or you think the other way, like I need to be eating clean, but then you eat fried chicken or something that causes something called dissonance, cognitive dissonance or discomfort. So when our behaviors are not in line with our thoughts, we, we get discomfort. And then what people do is, well, we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We, we hate that as humans, you know, we're trained to eat chocolate when we feel um, pain or discomfort is we then engage in different techniques that we're not even aware of. So you might justify the behavior and say, well, you know what? I haven't eaten that much chocolate this week. That's okay. It's fine. You know, you might um, rationalize it. Well, that's it. Tomorrow I'll start, I'll eat clean. I'll go on a diet. It doesn't matter. Or we change the behavior. That's it. From tomorrow, I'm not going to do it. So start to notice like, are my behaviors and my thoughts in conflict? And then when that happens, what do I do about it? Am I justifying? Am I rationalizing? Really honoring your food decisions. Guilt comes when our current self is in conflict with our ideal self. So what you want to do is honor your decisions. Like if you see these marshmallow covered treats, you say, I like marshmallow covered treats because they're freaking delicious. So I'm going to have one. I'm going to have two if I want. I'm going to honor that decision. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to move on with my life because life is so much more than stressing over a marshmallow treat. That's not going to matter in a year from now. It's not going to matter, you know, a decade. Your weight is not written on your tombstone. People aren't going to come to your funeral and talk about what you weighed. Like, I'm sorry to get deep here, but I need to I understand how debilitating this is and I understand how much food can revolve around your life. 
Well, I literally just had chills because you are so much more than a number, like I was saying. And then Michelle just wrote above that she likes to indulge, but she does it mindfully. I feel like that's something that's really helped me. And I feel like Stephanie, you probably do this too, because you're always eating really awesome things. And they're also probably nutritious because I'm watching all the different things you're doing, like protein, amazing pancakes with all this chocolatey amazingness and you're feeling fulfilled but it's also healthy and nutritious and then you're not overdoing it because you're not restricting because you're always having something delicious, right? Start to just notice your thoughts around food, right? Do you notice yourself being like, oh, you shouldn't be eating that. You know, you should have the salad. When you go out with friends, do you secretly choose the socially acceptable meal over what you really want? Because I promise if you start to say to yourself, you know what? If you want cake all day, every day, you can have it. By telling yourself you can have it whenever, wherever, you're going to crave it less and less over time. And then the times you do have it, it's going to be less distressing for you. Before we tell ourselves, you shouldn't have that, you must eat this, you should be doing this, it's direct, you're poking yourself with a stick. You're constantly like this and this. And then do you know what we want to do? We naturally want to rebel. Like, who eats certain foods sometimes just to rebel or just to be like, no, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. You know, I just want to do what I want. The same is with food. So be really flexible with your food language. Like, look, yes, I want to eat clean. I want to improve my lifestyle. But if I want to have something like exactly what um, Michelle said in the chat box, you know, if I want to have it, you won't overindulge because you're, you're allowing it into your, your life. Whereas when you restrict, the minute you have it, you're going to think, I've stuffed up. What have I done? I can't stick to anything. I might as well, you know, binge. And then you're going to go overboard. And then after that, you're like, crap, I need to get back on track. And then you go back to the restriction. I've been there where I've restricted and then I would be like, oh, I'm going to do a cheat meal or a cheat day. And it just goes like completely insane. So I think what really happened helps me is eating amazing things all of the time. And then I don't feel like I'm missing out. I'm wondering too, because I know you love working out and I know you used to work out too much. Now you have a healthy balance with that. Could you talk Mm -hmm. more about like working out and like how that maybe helps you with better choices and feeling good? And yeah, absolutely. So as um, Laura said, you know, I used to use exercise as almost a punishment or as a compensatory behavior. So a lot of people be like, I hate exercise. I don't like doing it. But it's all about the meaning we give to movement. And I like to call it movement with my clients. And let's move for your mental health. Let's move because you like being in the fresh air. It's not about smashing yourself. And, you know, there's some workouts, right, you know, showing up (laughs) on on a certain day is good for me. Um, But I, I, I like working out and I love exercising because there's so much more to it than, you know, for your weight loss and all that. I don't exercise for weight loss. I have a really beautiful community. I see my friends there. And if you're someone who struggles with moving your body, I really recommend changing the meaning you give it and pairing up with someone who is doing what what you want to do and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So, yeah, for me, I love uh, keeping active. It makes me feel good. So when you wake up in the morning, right, a lot of people think about, 
all the things they've got to do, all the places they've got to be, and that raises your cortisol. So your cortisol is your stress hormone. And when you're high in cortisol, that's when you you crave um, sugary foods or you may crave carbohydrates because your body is like, we're in fight or flight. I need to survive. I need quick energy. So it's all biologically linked. So if you live a stressful life and you crave certain foods, don't be so hard on yourself, okay? Looking at the meaning, if you struggle with working out, try to pair it with someone. But I live a very active life because I do enjoy it. But having said that, there's days where I'm so, I get very exhausted and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to exercise today and that's okay. And it's about really listening to your body because we often judge ourselves like, oh, you know, am I am I actually just not exercising because I'm tired or am I making an excuse? And then it can it can be a um, a vicious cycle. But I I love movement, so my my philosophy is this: live a lifestyle with movement and activity. Eat as healthy as you can, but eat in balance and eat what you what you want to eat, but keep moving, keep active. So my philosophy is. Yes, self-love is important and loving yourself the way you are is important. But my thing is do all that whilst working on the best version of yourself, whatever that might be. You know, it might be improved health. It might be better energy. It might be, you know, trying to bring your cholesterol, whatever, whatever that is. I think everyone is so unique and individual and it's so much more than, than, than weight loss. You know, I think weight loss is a side effect of living a balanced um lifestyle for a lot of people it does help with anxiety because like i said when you're anxious your cortisol's up what movement does when you move your body you're actually increasing your serotonin your dopamine your norepinephrine and these are your feel-good hormones so when you exercise you raise those hormones and you bring down your your cortisol and your adrenaline so your cortisol and your adrenaline they're linked to anxiety so movement actually biochemically will reduce your anxious symptoms. Yeah, and it's about the meaning, you know, like trying to, to not say, oh, you know, I hate exercise or that. You can say, you know, I find it challenging, but it's 4% of my day. Um, and focusing on, see, a lot of people will focus on the immediate feeling. Try to focus on the desired outcome. I think baby steps is really important. I've always had excuses. Like I have a few neck injuries. I have TMJ. I'm like, oh, if I work out, it's going to make me feel bad and in pain. Um, But when I do work out and I listen to my body and I do just the right amount and not pushing myself too hard, I feel so good because like you said, all those chemicals are released. And sometimes you might come home, let's say you had a long day and you're feeling stressed. Some people would just go to the pantry and want to eat everything. But I've literally just been like, okay, no, I need to be accountable to my mom and my friends have like told me we're doing this yoga thing together and having accountability partner, like you were saying is so helpful, but then you're like in this tense space where you would have made like some decisions to self-medicate with food. Then you listen, what do you really need? Really need to relax. And you really need to like, you know, decrease your stress. And then I turn on my yoga and I breathe better and I hear positive things. And then I just feel better and happier instead of maybe medicating with food, which I used to do when I was emotional or having a bad day or tired or whatever. 
So I feel yeah. like that's my new favorite thing. Liz, who's on here, she was doing um, yoga prior to me and she was really motivating me and like, come on, come on. And I was just always like, oh, later, later. But exercise is just so good for you and your brain, right? Yeah. And finding something you, you like, like, you know, F45 is not for everyone. Yoga may not be for everyone. So I really encourage to find something you enjoy and try different different things um, as well, 100%. I know a big question was about overeating. So yeah. a lot of people say like, well, why does one person, like one lady was asking her husband, when he's full, he's full, but she will never stop eating and she'll just keep eating and eating and she'll end up feeling stuffed and really uncomfortable. So can you maybe give us some more information about why does that happen for some people and not others? How can you help yourself through that? Yeah, really interesting. And and everyone is is so individual. And I think, you know, if there's any um, behavior you want to change or edit, it's really important to obtain a baseline. So start to sort of monitor and become more mindful of it, right? A lot of people engage in mindless eating, me included. So I will eat in front of the computer. I'll eat while I'm scrolling on my phone. I will eat while I'm on the phone. I will graze while I'm on the phone. Who does this? Like who is a mindless eater? Yeah. Renee can relate too. Yep. Yep. And do you want to know why? Because we are programmed from a young age to believe that multitasking is a good thing. Like you should be able to do more than once. And we criticize men, like you can't do anything. You you can't do more than one thing at a time. But in actual fact, it's not good to do more than one thing at a time because your attention is split. And the biggest thing we multitask is eating. We eat and we drive, we eat and we Zoom, we eat and we, we do everything. But what I would encourage this lady is to really like start to notice her patterns, notice her thoughts when this is happening. Like when she sits down to eat, what is she feeling? What is she thinking? Is she feeling guilty that, you know, maybe she's eating too much and then as a result she's trying to eat very quickly to to get rid of it? Or is she feeling stressed and she's using this as a a distraction? Because the truth of the matter is the first Tim Tam is going to taste the same as the 12th Tim Tam. So why do we need, you know, why do we keep going, 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 going? There's a, there's usually something else going on. Oh, what's a Tim Tam? So it's, oh, no, oh, so Tim Tam's like an Australian chocolate, um, a chocolate biscuit. <laughs> um, we love them over here and we do this thing called a Tim Tam slam where you dip it in tea and you, you suck it like a straw and it sounds like weird right now, but yeah, look it up. Tim Tam, Tim Tam slam. It's a biscuit. <laughs> But the first biscuit is going to taste the same as the 12th biscuit. Yeah, that's so true. And when I did reflecting on why I was overeating, it came back from my childhood. So my grandma starved in the war. So they went through starvation. My mom was pushed, eat everything, don't waste. And then I still like feel like I need to clear my plate, not waste. And then one day my mom, who's done like a 12-step program with eating and like serious work because she had some issues for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. She said, well, isn't it wasting your food if you're just eating it and you don't need it? And I was like, wow, that's powerful. So like, I think a big part of it is I, I used to just pile my plates so full, but 
I can have another meal, you know, like I don't need to have all of that when I'm going to be full and satisfied. And then if I eat too much, I'm going to feel like crap and lazy and just exhausted, you know? So I think kind of figuring out why we're overeating or is it mindless eating or is it because you're thirsty or is it because you're low on some vitamins or you're hormonal and maybe you need more calories or you're eating too fast, just shoveling it in like you're not, not even really chewing, just swallowing food whole. It's easy yeah. to overdo it, right? Exactly like you said, Alora, that there's different reasons for overeating, but the only way we're going to find out is if we t- start to tune in to our patterns and our behavior and our thoughts and feelings when it comes to eating. So what I do with my clients is I get them to actually keep a food log. It's not a food diary. I don't get them to change their eating in any way, but when they're eating, they're writing down their thoughts and their feelings and what's going on because a lot of people do this so subconsciously. Like who eats dessert and while you're eating dessert, you're thinking about your next serving. I do this all the time. I'm like, yeah, totally, Renee. Yeah, Michelle. I'm like, okay, I'll go. But I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're eating this now. Why are you you thinking? And that's the thing. We constantly have one foot in the present, one foot in the future. Like, when are we fully, fully present? And this is why mindful eating is so powerful, being fully present with your food. Yeah, tasting it, noticing the textures. Sometimes I eat and I'm like, oh, where did, where did that go? Like, I don't remember <laughs> eating that. So I think the reason as to why we overeat is, is different for everyone, but it starts with becoming conscious and aware of what you're thinking and feeling in those moments. And I think too, sometimes we overeat because we're exhausted. A lot of us aren't practicing different self-care things like getting enough sleep. And some people can't nap because they have like a house full of kids. And just, I feel like what's really helped me a lot is knowing to go to bed a little earlier because I'm an absolute night owl, but that also increases your cortisol. And then you're stressed. You wake up just feeling kind of off and then you maybe medicate with food or get energy from food by just eating and eating and eating when you don't really need that. But if you had a proper sleep or you reduced your stress in other ways, I feel like then you're going to make better decisions. At least I know that's true for me. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think, um, Alora, it's, you know, being tired was a massive trigger for me because I would judge myself on that. Like, no, like you shouldn't be tired. You should be being productive. For me, I was addicted to productivity because it made me feel worthy and it made me feel good enough. And when I dug super, super, super deep, what I realized was growing up and having an eating disorder, I never really dealt with emotions. Like when I felt a negative emotion or I felt upset or sad, I would judge myself on that and be like, you know, why you you shouldn't be feeling that way? Why are you feeling upset? And I didn't like that feeling, so I would distract with food. So if it's tiredness, if it's stress, I think it's really important to identify your triggers but dig a bit deeper and say, okay, why does that trigger me? Why does sleep or tiredness trigger me? Is it because I feel like I need energy? Is it because I'm judging myself for feeling that way? Is it because I'm trying to avoid stress? Like what is it? So I really believe the answers are in the questions we ask ourselves. So it's all about being very self-reflective and asking yourself the questions like, okay, do I want to eat this chocolate cake because I genuinely want chocolate cake 
What else am I feeling right now? What else am I thinking? And actually giving yourself the time and respect to understand what's going on for you. What is your thought on the saying, treat food as fuel only? <laughs> yeah, that, that would be good if we were robots. Um, <laughs> I've heard that a lot, treat food as fuel. They say this a lot in you know the bodybuilding industry, the fitness industry. That's great if we were a car. Okay, and that's great if we needed fuel, but we are humans, we have emotions, and food is linked to emotion. We want to eat when we're happy, we want to eat when we're sad, because this is ingrained in us as kids, you know, we we grow up celebrating birthday parties, we grow up celebrating graduations, events. Every time we have food, it is linked to an emotion. Think about any time you've, you've eaten and you haven't really like felt an emotion. It's it's very rare, you know, even not eating food. I get hangry all the time, but I'm, I'm curious to know what other people think. Like, I think if we just say to each other, treat food as fuel, I think it really takes out a lot of other variables that are important. I definitely think food is, is more than fuel. It's connection, it's emotion. Um, and it's something we do all the time. And you know what, without it, we would, we would die. So I think it's, Definitely more than that. Question from the live. Um, a girl commented that her problem is that she doesn't eat all day because she's not hungry. And then she eats all night and evening. So what do you have to say about that, Stephanie? Food tastes so good at night. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just think sometimes food just tastes, it does, you know. And I definitely think it comes down to a couple of things. I just want to sort of point out to everyone, like, you know, I am answering this based on the little information I get. Like normally I get lots more information, but I think number one is, you know, is this, is this affecting her and is it causing any distress? If not, and if she's just happy to eat at night, then that's okay. But if it is sort of causing her distress or, you know, it's not helpful or, you know, it's, um, causing her to feel guilty or upset, I definitely try to maybe change the pattern. So what I do with my clients is we set up regular eating. So I don't tell anyone what to eat. I never do that. But what we do is let's aim for three meals, three snacks a day, right? I don't care what you eat. I don't care how much you eat, but let's try to eat a little bit throughout the day because it could just be her body so used to it. It could be maybe she works a very stressful job. I know when I first started changing my eating habits and doing like intermittent fasting and different things like that, when I didn't do things properly and I wasn't eating enough food in a day or enough calories or nutrients or like fat and protein, your body's just like, I'm hungry. Like you didn't eat enough. So I'm just going to make up for it. And that used to happen to me as well. So I think, you know, we have requirements, our body needs enough food. And if you're not eating like all day, your dinner better be, you know, pretty satisfying. I know some people do different kind of diet patterns where they eat maybe not three times a day and they're doing one big meal because they want the fasting benefits, but it's can be hard to do. I can't eat one meal a day personally. Um, And then I would probably 
continue eating and eating and eating to make up for the whole day, right? Yeah, good answer. And if you have anything that you would like to say about confidence building, I saw you did a little thing about confidence on your Instagram and I absolutely love that. And I think like you're saying, we often are looking at ourselves and we're looking at our food and we're like, okay, this is going to make us look a certain way or the number on the scale. And we get really like disempowered by that when I'm really focusing on lately is loving myself, loving my food and like being confident. And I think it's so important and so powerful. So I'd love to hear some tips about that. Sure. Oh yeah. I'd love to talk on confidence. I'm just noticing Christine's question uh, in the chat. Uh, What do you feel about intermittent fasting as a tool to help with weight loss and healthy food habits? Look, I think number one is, you know, I don't necessarily like the work I do. I don't promote it as weight loss, but weight loss generally is a side effect of what I do. So I had a lady who did one of my mindset reset um, courses and she said, I got my mindset right. Then I worked with a dietitian and she's lost 24 kilos, which I don't know what that is in pounds. I think, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I think at the end of the day, Christine, it really depends on what works for you and asking yourself, do I actually want to do this? Does this make me happy? Because when you are happy, you're going to be more inclined to be healthy, not the other way around. People think when I lose this much weight, when I achieve this, when I get that degree, when I get that point, when I get that body, and I understand like losing weight, I get it. It does make you feel like a sense of accomplishment, sense of self-worth a lot. But the problem is when we put our happiness in external things, it's conditional. Our happiness is conditional. And um, trust me, I tried for for 32 years. That day just doesn't come where you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm confident now. I'm happy now. But intermittent fasting, look, I've I've tried it. You know, back in the day, I tried everything. I'm sure we all have. Um, And I was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I like eating. I enjoy breakfast is my favorite thing. Like people call me the brunch queen. Like you're the keto queen, Laura. I'm the brunch queen. Um, So I think it's asking yourself whether or not this works, do I actually want to do it and do I enjoy it? Is it enhancing my life? Is it adding to my life or is it subtracting? Is this draining me? It, It comes down to individual what it is. But I think as well, you know, I'm really all about mindset over method. You can have like the best fasting program. You can have the best program, whatever it is. And I know you speak about this a lot. You know, Alora is is your your keto mindset. If your mindset isn't right, your method is going to fall through. And then people feel very guilty and upset. But having said that, there's a lot of bullshit out there, right? Like I had a client, she was doing some really low calorie, like it was ridiculous. And she lost all this weight and then she put it back on and she felt incredible shame and guilt that she put the weight on. She demoralized herself. She felt horrible. And I had to tell her like, biologically, you have starved yourself and your body, now that you're eating like a regular human, which you should be eating, like, you know, your body has a new set point. So every time you sort of go through a starvation and you eat, your set point goes up and that's why people freak out. Like, why do I keep, you know, doing this? So it comes down, I think, to to what works for you, but just asking yourself, is my mindset 
in the right place. What I do like about certain, you know, like 12-week challenges or, you know, certain styles of eating, whether it's intermittent fasting, what I like about them more than the weight loss, I think is the mindfulness it teaches you, like mindful about, you know, your portions, mindful about taste, mindful about, um, yeah, hunger. So I think there's a lot more to learn out of types of eating than just weight loss. Confidence, confidence, confidence. (laughs) I honestly believe you need to act as though you are the person you want to become here and now, right? If you want to have the confidence to go to a certain gym, go to that gym as you are. I really believe you've got to lead with behavior and you've got to lead with your mind, okay? You don't wake up one day feeling confident. You don't wake up one day being like, okay, I'm worthy now. I'm worthy of love. Cool. Let's go find love. Let's jump on the dating apps. You know, you don't wake up being like, okay, I've hit my goal weight. Now I can go out and do stuff because who's who's gone down that path and, you know, like lost weight or who's gone down that path and hit that thing and then the confidence hasn't magically come. I always believed, oh, when I hit this body weight, I'll be more confident. Even when I was at my tiniest or, you know, I was at my my, my lowest or whatever, there was always more like, oh, but i got to do this. Oh, but i got to hit this. But i got to achieve that. Like the goalpost, we just keep moving it. So confidence isn't a destination. It is a decision in a given moment. This can be an hourly decision. This can be a daily decision. So, you know, waking up, I put on a certain top and I think, oh, should I not wear that? Should I wear that? Should I wear that? Go out and wear that bloody top and realize you're not going to shrivel up and die if someone looks at you because you think everyone's judging you, right? Let me tell you something. The research shows that everyone thinks other people are judging them. Like you're worried about what people think, but the research shows that people are actually worried about what you think about them. So confidence comes from doing the things you want to do if you were more confident, yeah? For example, going on that date, even if you're not confident, going on, yeah, give me example. If anyone has examples, chuck them in. Um, I had a girl I worked with and, I, and she goes, you know, I just want to get more confidence. And I said to her, I said, how will you know when you're more confident? And she's like, well, I'll, I'll wear my crop and my leggings to the gym. I, I, she had this crop top. I said, wear it tomorrow. She's like, what? What do you mean? I said, wear it tomorrow. Because the problem is unless we lead with behavior, we don't give our beliefs a chance to be disputed. So she had this belief, people are going to look at me, people are going to be like, why is she wearing that? Like that doesn't suit her. And I said, wear it tomorrow because we need to give these beliefs a chance to be disputed. And I said, do you know what? Even if people are looking at you, maybe they like what you're wearing. Like, how do you know they're saying? Maybe they're like, I wish I could wear that. You know, I wish I felt confident. So she she sent me a photo and she wore this crop and these things. And I said, oh, my gosh, like, how did it go? She goes, people actually complimented me. They really liked it. They liked the outfit. And I said, okay, done. You're cured. You're confident now. (laughs) Like, you know, so she actually... She pushed herself to do the thing. Same with the beach. Like people avoid going to the beach at all costs. So they avoid wearing a bikini. Wear that bikini. Like prove to yourself 
it's just an outfit. It's okay. And I know it's uncomfortable, but it's about sitting with that discomfort and proving that you're not going to get chased with pitchforks and knives because you're doing something outside your comfort zone. So having a think, if I was more confident, what would I be doing? You know, write this question down. If I was more confident, what would I be doing? And then start to do that thing. You know, it might be going to the beach. Okay, you might wear something else and then, you know, take it a step further. So the behavior, but then I want you to pair that with version 2.0 of yourself. If you were confident, you know, Laura, if you were confident, Michelle, if you were confident, Renee, what would you think differently? Is it, I'm going to catch up with this person, I'm going to have a great time and I'm going to go on this date and it's going to go out. What would you be thinking? And then we pair those behaviours with the new you mindset and then you go and you you practice that and you because who you think and how you act is who you're going to become but see the problem is we act in ways we we focus on what we're fearful of we focus on what we don't want to happen and then we attract more of that in our life like looking at a dress and loving it and like i used to be like oh like oh no no that would look so bad and then when you get the confidence just to be like no, I'm just going to love it. I'm going to put it on. And then you fall in love with it. And then you're like, oh my God, people have to actually see me wear this. But then you just, like you said, challenge yourself, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Then you're growing, you're evolving as a human and you're challenging. Like, why am I even uncomfortable? I love this outfit and it makes me happy. And you can freaking rock it. And you just have to keep buying awesome outfits and, you know, challenging yourself. It's it's super rewarding. People always say stuff about what I'm wearing. And I used to like wear like baggy hoodies and like sweatpants because I was so scared to show myself. And then I decided, you know what, screw that, like YOLO, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, really start to notice your thoughts, honestly, are like food for your mind and toxic thoughts will impact you. So start to notice, like, how often do you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, my hair looks good today. Or you know what? Like, yeah, I'm really like getting a tan being in the sun. Like notice what you say to yourself and start to say good stuff. Like start to inject as much as that. Think of the best times you've had in your life, right? Think of the best nights you've had, the best memories, the best times. I promise you those times weren't laden with, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I feel like shit. This is, they don't like me. This is really hard. You probably thought, this is the best night ever. Like, I'm having so much fun. You know, this is good. So, your words are your world and being mindful of how you speak to yourself because your body can hear you and hating your body doesn't change it. And I promise, working from the inside out, your body will change as a result. I love the thing about self-talk. One thing that really hit me, I was at a conference pre-COVID and this psychologist was talking on stage about how we talk to ourselves. And he said, like, imagine talking to your inner child. Like, we are so mean to ourselves. We are, we're, we're assholes. We're bullies. We're so mean. Why would you ever talk to yourself so rudely you wouldn't talk to a little child like that like why why do we beat ourselves up like me personally I went through a toxic relationship and I was told I was ugly I was fat I was this I was that it wasn't worth it and you start believing those things and then I was telling myself those things and it took a lot of healing and work to get out of that but it's totally possible and you just have to start looking in the mirror 
talking nice things to yourself, complimenting yourself, loving yourself, being gracious on yourself and like eat, you know, things that make you happy and don't beat yourself up about that either. Right. Exactly. I just popped some really good resources um, in the chat. So Kirsten Neff on self-compassion and you are enough. I think it's Mandy Hale, really good books, Um, but you're absolutely right. Laura, don't beat yourself up, pick yourself up. And that's what I do as a psychologist is I teach people how to be their own psychologist. I do a lot of brain retraining because your brain is so programmed. You know, as you grow up, you get seeds in your head, seeds from your parents, seeds from your auntie, seeds, seeds like, oh, you know, should you be wearing that? Or, you know, should you be eating that? And then you start, you can either like water these seeds and make them grow by reinforcing those thoughts to yourself. Like you shouldn't be eating that. You shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, you can start to think on another level. And I teach people how to change their mindset through, you know, evidence-based strategies. Like we change those beliefs. Like where is the evidence that you're not good enough? You know, where is the evidence that you're never going to achieve things? And we literally retrain your brain and it, it becomes very hard to have, you know, an unhelpful thought. So mindset is very powerful and you can be on the best diet. You can be on the best program, you know, but at the end of the day, like your mindset is your biggest asset. Oh, I like that one. I'm going to write that down. So I know I value your time, Stephanie, and this has been absolutely incredible and I'm so grateful for you. If there's any like last things you want to say, um, like maybe a couple tips to take home with us tonight. Um, yeah, so grateful. I know you're so busy. You're in like university, you're juggling a million things and very busy, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. If you've got any questions, feel free to reach out on Instagram. I'm there. Um, but final words of advice is, you know, there's so much more to life than your, your body weight, shape and size like I know it's a big component but when you focus on other areas you really can reduce the distress that it causes like you know you've only got one life and you want to enjoy it so remember you know mindset is everything and if you need help with that you know we're here and surround yourself with like-minded people and remember you're not you're not what you eat. Often what we think about what we eat is the problem. So notice your food language, become mindful of that. And when you become aware of it, awareness precedes change. And yeah, so thank you so much. I feel very lucky to have been here. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, Stephanie, like is so great. We just winged it kind of thing. I like wrote notes and stuff because I'm not a winging kind of person. So that made me extremely nervous, but she's just a wealth of knowledge and I'm so grateful. And yeah, like she said on Audible, her book is free. Food's Jail, it's called. So So you can grab it on um, Amazon all around the world. Or if you want the Audible, you can do a free trial and actually listen to it. And I've narrated it myself. Great project during lockdown for six months here in Melbourne. So enjoy. That's awesome. I love your accent. So I'm totally down with audiobooks. It was so good speaking to you all. Have a beautiful night. And thanks again for tuning in. Thanks so much, Stephanie. We appreciate you. And definitely get her book and let me know what you think. And we're excited to empower you to be happier and live your best life.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night. Sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.